This is a Crow's Nest podcast. I'm sorry, everyone. Welcome back to Tamsel's to discuss. Uh, Gally, I've I've teased Gally with this by saying she's about to find out a bit of information about my prep. Um, for this episode yeah so i'm uh we divide up the summaries not like one two one two one two we actually went through the spreadsheet two at a time and that what that's why sometimes she'll do two in a row sometimes i do two in a row i forgot that i had to do one today so what i'm gonna do is do a summary based (laughs) solely off of my notes oh boy yeah because i i I can't go back and forth between like the wikipedia and my notes and i don't want to just summarize wikipedia while i'm reading because that's cheating so what i'm gonna do is use my memory of the movie and my notes to get through a summary but do we want to do that now or do we want to start with the normal shit normal shit which is basically hi how are you uh how last minute did you prepare for this podcast oh wait (laughs) not you know weirdly today actually not super i thought that i had actually prepared a while ago but I literally forgot till I got home. I was like, oh, you needed to do a summary. And by that time, I didn't really have the time to do it. I was just like, you know what? We're just, we're, we're going to improvise this one. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Basically. And also, I apologize in advance to mostly to you because I think my mic cuts it out. But in case I'm coughing a lot, once again, the allergens out in Texas are crazy. I know. It's almost like Texas is trying to kill you. I think that it might just be. But um, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm 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 good. I am um covid free as far as I know. Yay. Uh, and now the only thing that's bothering me is uh allergies. Allergies everywhere, man. Allergies everywhere. I'm you know what I I'm also feel like I might have been allergic to this movie um because Maybe. it took me four tries before to watch it. We move completely off of the allergies being everywhere. Do you remember yeah. the song Alligators All Around? Okay, no? never mind. That was an incredible look I just got. Yeah, what? What is the song um, Alligators All Around? So this this isn't a kid's song thing, but you know the sort of like genre of songs for children? <laughs> ah, yes, I am very familiar with kids' songs for children that are not songs for children. Wait. <laughs> That's not what I said. You mean I said like not a, a kid's song? song? Well, you know, there's like the brand of things called kids' songs yeah no this isn't a folk song this was based it was it's it's um a poem by maurice sendak if that name's familiar to you listeners he did where the wild things are um and it was performed by carol king and there was a series of videos like animated music videos that were all sung versions of sendak's poetry but I don't remember what the collection was called. And one of them was Alligators All Around. And it's an alphabet song. Oh. Uh, so it, here, I, am, I actually know the lyrics by heart, but I brought them up just to make sure that I'm good with it. But, you know, I'm just reading it's A, Alligators All Around, B, Bursting Balloons. Do you want me to go through them all? Or just like, this is the the format in which it was done. It's super. Format. Oh, no, it's super weird. There's a few that are bananas. A few that make yeah. sense where it's like W wearing wigs. I'm like, cool. Looking like lions for L M making macaroni, um, but some of them are weird. Like I imitating Indians. Mm, I, okay, this was probably acceptable in the nineteen seventies. 
Yes. And why is yakety yakking, which is totally a thing that helps me remember everything. And Z is a zippity sound. In case you were wondering what the Z in the alphabet stood for. I yakety yak. It just makes me think of yakety yak. Don't talk back. I wonder which came first, but to tie back to why this came into my brain, I was thinking instead of alligators are all around, it should have been allergies are all around because that is legitimately all that I feel as an adult. And I appreciate everyone taking that five minute detour with me. I appreciate learning about alligators all around. Look it up later. It's actually cute. It's it's a cute I, little thing. And it definitely, I mean, it definitely has the air um, and the illustrative style of Maurice Sendak. So it's cute. Well, then it's right up my alley. Indeed. But um, we were going, we were going back to, going back to this movie you said it took you four times to get through i i managed to get through it on the first try but it's it it's solely because it was like the first thing i did in the morning so i kind of didn't really want to get up yeah no it took me four tries to start this movie as in i would sit down i would prepare myself i would get the movie up on the tv and then i would go no i don't feel like being depressed today and quickly move on to something else yeah that's the thing about this movie is that it is sad it's why i didn't watch it a ton when i was little even though it's one of the ones that i own because like why well i think without further ado we should uh stop withholding the title of this movie that nobody can nobody knows because you can't see it on the podcast name not yet uh (laughs) it's you haven't you're good you're good listeners and haven't read ahead yeah thanks for not (laughs) getting spoiled thank you uh we're doing the fox and the hound we are 1981 classic i think weirdly even though it's not one of my favorite movies and wasn't when i was a kid it's a classic for a lot of people because they find it very very memorable yeah Mm-hmm. but but how memorable do you find it because you're going to give us the summary with your notes and your memory <laughs> all right let's find out the fox and the hound is a movie that starts with a ridiculous amount of silence to the point where you think you have to check your headphones and think that it's not working um and then after a terrible watercolor painting we are introduced to an adorable fox and his mom who oh dead uh, we then meet Big Mama and the two most annoying fucking birds that I remember from even my childhood. And the three of these birds decide that they're going to do what birds do best and go birding right into the house of Widow Tweed, who comes running to the rescue of a fox exactly as I would do if it saw that it was abandoned. Meanwhile, her only neighbor, because they live in the middle of fucking nowhere, is a man with a gun and an old dog. He comes home with a puppy, throws it to the old dog and says, hey, man, I'm going to make you raise this. And so our two protagonists have been introduced. Basically, the next day, Todd the fox runs over to meet Copper the puppy and they decide that they're going to be best of friends. And this goes well for about two days until he pisses off the older dog chief, Todd, that is inciting a dog versus fox and man versus widow feud that escalates into rapid gunfire and a car chase. Eventually it escalates further and widow tweed is forced to drop Todd off at the game preserve, despite him never having actually spent any time on his own. (laughs) 
The crazy hunter brings his dogs to try to find the fox. One of the dogs stupidly runs up on railroad tracks, falls down, and they all decide to blame this fox. This fox then finds himself a lady friend, and Copper returns to the woods with the hunter, now both totally determined to kill Todd and almost start a forest fire in the process. Luckily, the entire fire doesn't Bambi itself, and they have a bit of a scuffle with a bear that almost kills Copper and Todd, who almost then genuinely ends up dead when the hunter shows up and is finally about to shoot him in the face. But Copper shows up and shows that friends truly are forever by standing in front of him, begging the hunter not to shoot him. And the last thing we see is the widow patching up Amos, who got his ass beat in the bear fight, while Copper and Chief look on semi-affectionately. And in the background, 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 Todd and Vixie watch the end. I, um, I think that was a very comprehensive. The face that Galley is making right now, you guys. I, I just. <sighs> it's like I turned in my homework late, but it was perfect. Yeah, it was. It was perfect. I'm just like, I, I just really i give you uh an a a for effort uh for your summary um and an a plus for using uh bambi as a verb to represent a forest fire i've also just not realized that i think i got the timeline slightly wrong (laughs) no i i actually i don't think you got your timelines too wrong (laughs) yeah i mixed up the fact that todd got dropped at the game reserve after the railroad incident yeah i think he that did. was the incident that incited the uh you need to go live in the woods now yeah it did well i got that mixed up but like the the concept was where i needed it to be the concept was where you needed it to be and i do think that one thing that you omitted from this was the fact that our two main characters of uh uh todd and uh and copper were voiced by mickey rooney and kurt russell I don't think I omitted that. That's just in my notes. Because I also have a note about the young copper. Yeah, Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. Nine years old when he recorded this. And now he's a fucking weird. That might be a high T that we do on this one is what happened to Corey Feldman. Because, oh my god. Not oh my only god. that, but he's, it's just, it, that could take up the entire episode. But um, I want to immediately start with the fact that I think a good 30 seconds of the intro of this movie is genuine silence. Not even, not even like chirping of birds. Just, I thought there was something wrong with my sound. I, uh, I got the same thing. I started the movie and was just like, wait, are my speakers on? Yeah, normally there's even like a little like static sound or like, uh, oh, do, do you think that part of that is because we've been so conditioned by um by really uh streaming sh- channels now netflix no. badum and all of that other stuff hbo <laughs> i don't think so because i think we're pretty good at comparing the disney movies to themselves and we watch That's them fair. on the same platform and disney plus at least before each movie doesn't have anything that wasn't in the original unless 
it is the um we were racist we did a racism back in the day card but other yeah. than that like you know this movie didn't have the buena vista thing it didn't have any other thing because they weren't affiliated with it but some of the movies do yeah but yeah no, no i that's why but it was it was quiet for an un i wrote down the time mark it was three minutes I, I wrote down it's been three minutes and the only thing that has happened is nothing and i also wrote down that for the first three and a half minutes of this movie the foley must have just gone outside when it was raining and left a mic running i so i kind of wonder how much turmoil was happening behind the scenes with this movie that like not to say that that's going to directly affect how the movie itself opens but sure um i will say that fox and the hound was considered a turning point uh for walt disney studios because um we i don't think we really discussed walt disney's nine old men but these are basically like the 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 group of animators that were a originated with disney kind of went through uh Mm -hmm. snow white and all those other classic disney movies um, under walt disney uh and they ended up doing the initial development of the animation for this film but phased out for a group of younger disney animators to complete the process so one of those don bluff don bluth yeah bluth excuse me yeah 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 uh newer generation of animators included don bluth yeah um who then went on to form his own studio uh, and you may be familiar with don bluth as a animation studio behind the secrets of nim uh, which also ended up being like don bluth studio ended up being a rival to disney in the 80s interesting so 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 because of this like switch over apparently there were a whole bunch of arguments <laughs> around the ideas behind the film uh fox and the hound and how to um really do a lot of things on the film sure. so without getting into it i get the feeling <laughs> that that's partially why maybe there's some things in this movie that feel like they weren't baked out all the way um i get that it sound design included <laughs> I get it. I'm just sort of like it's it's one of those things that you have what you have to judge. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's very noticeable and very frustrating when you when you start a Disney movie and um you hear nothing and then you hear what's not really great sound effects. Uh I personally was filled with dread. I watched the opening credits <laughs> it's like I wasn't I wasn't I wrote down here that the the drama was not done up properly during the credits to hype that moment up yeah and I think it's just because like so it's not to say that it's not an emotional moment but they had three minutes of literal nothing where they instead could have just shown us the tension of this chase. Like every once in a while, you could have seen like the fox run through something. You'd be like, oh my God, what's happening? Yeah, but instead, literally three... set the scene. Yeah, yeah, there's three minutes of nothing. And then there's one more minute of this scene. And then the credits end at four minutes. Like the last scene of credits is four minutes and 45 seconds into this. And I don't know if that's... Well, that's when we first see Big Mama. And then, you know, 
Todd's mom leaves him by a fence post and runs away and somehow in jumping behind a hill uh jumps into a gunshot that's presumably coming from behind us like where we hear the dog barking we presume the hunter's behind him how far behind i was i hate this disney death i'm just gonna say that like it it was it felt contrived aside from the sound effects not matching up to it it just it it felt like all right we need a real quick plot point uh let's just kill the mom like that's fair (laughs) Like you said, I think that there could have been a lot more to build this up. There, in those in those silent three minutes, we could have not even um, not even seen the chase. We could have seen like still pictures of a uh, idyllic, uh, I don't know, uh, country scenery where we see some of the foxes in the background, just kind of existing, yeah, like just kind of establishing existing. it. Yeah. It just, it it didn't have, it's, it's, again, it's sad that there's an orphaned fox now, yeah. but it just didn't feel like, I didn't, I felt sad, but there was moments later on in this movie that I found more sad and they weren't deaths. I, uh, I made a bunch of notes about the tone of this movie and how it really jumps all around Mm -hmm. did you did you also feel that way that there were a lot of like really strange tonal shifts throughout the film and you're like i did not expect it to suddenly be this way suddenly be this sad suddenly try to jump into song suddenly uh, like a lot of things just kind of suddenly happen yeah, and I think that that's part of my hatred with these fucking birds. Yeah. Is that they're just this massive tone shift from what is always a serious slash, ooh, excuse me, serious slash semi serious movie. Yeah. Like even the moments of comedy and levity in this movie are not like slapstick stupid weird they're you know they they're they're more tame if that makes sense i think there wasn't enough um there wasn't enough of a focus on like how everything works together in this film yeah because because i agree with you the the woodpecker and the sparrow i thought were completely unnecessary thinking and boomer yeah the worst they don't have a purpose by the way um they get as much screen almost as much screen time as vixie todd's partner which also like I have thoughts on her when we yes, get to we'll, that. Yes, we'll get to because, her in a second. Well, just like the movie, what even we're not what's even the point of bringing her up early on cuz we're not going to find out about her until like an hour. <laughs> I only brought her up cuz it was in my notes. But um Big Mama the um owl by the way sings a bunch of songs and the songs in this movie suck. 
Yeah. So I thought for the longest time that whoever they cast just couldn't sing. No, she can. Her name is Pearl Bailey. If anybody wants to go look at this clip, look up Pearl Bailey and you're nobody till somebody loves me. Um, She's performing on the Ed Sullivan show and has the most stunning voice. Yeah, uh, you you sent that to me earlier and basically said this is homework for <laughs> for uh, Fox and the Hound. And mm-hmm. I was happy for that homework. I could get through that video five times over. She's fantastic. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and it's sad because they didn't write any songs that actually like played up her voice. And it's like, dude, what's wrong with you guys? Um, but I also like Big Mama is 100% about being child free. Yeah. I'm with that. I can Same. get down with that, Big Mom. Oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm a thousand percent with you. But I love that she's like, we need to find someone to take care of you. And Todd snuggles her, and she's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I feel like we need to also start like a Disney Owl family tree. Like we have, <laughs> we have, um, who did we have? We had Friendly Owl. Owl. We have Owl. We have, oh yeah, we have Friend Owl. We have Friend Owl, Owl, and we have Big Mama. Big, Big Mama's Mama. the first owl that has a name that's Kinda. not owl related. That's true. <laughs> they didn't call her like Owl Mama. Big Owl. Pellets Daily. Ugh. <laughs> but the next yeah, thing. She, no, like you said, um, she can't. She can't take care of him. So who's the best uh, person to take care of a, a lonely little fox baby? Of course, a widow. I mean, Uh, really, you. Like, let's be fair, Alexia. Yeah, that's me. Oh, I wrote down, I'm a widow tweed. I'll take in anything cute. Yeah. Um, I also need to point out that the voice of Amos Slade is Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The uh, original good one with Gene Wilder. Original good one. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I also want to point out. That he also played Mr. Barley in Son of Flubber. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> you know, for all you cinematic aficionados out there, uh, Son of Flubber is by many considered to be the peak in the Flubber films. Everybody go watch that now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I like how uh, Grandpa Joe here comes back with a puppy in a sack. And he dem- he shows us that he's a great dog owner by showing us his dog who lives in a barrel outdoors and then throws this puppy to this dog and is like, you're going to raise him. Uh, yeah, get to it, bud. Yeah. Uh, important to note that um, um, the dog that he throws him to is named Chief, who Chief. looks like. And is voiced by, well, he doesn't look like Pat Buttram, but he looks like a character voiced by Pat Buttram. Oh, he's definitely, um, I mean, you, as soon as he talks, you're like, here we go. Yeah, because the, the dog chief looks exactly like Sheriff from Robin Hood, who again was Pat Buttram. Pat Buttram. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to go back a little bit to talk about the name of the fox, uh, because when, when the widow adopts him, she starts feeding him with a bottle and says you're such a little toddler Mm -hmm. was that why she names him todd Mm -hmm. she says you're such a little toddler that's what i'm gonna call you todd that's a that's eventually he won't be a toddler it's true but this reminds me of my brother's naming prowess because (laughs) 
we many years ago when we adopted princess who was a year and a half old by the way and, and knew her name we were having that family discussion of should we rename her and i was like no but sam was like i don't know we you know why not and we're you know they're pitching names and he suggests that we name her whisper because at the time she hadn't barked yet she'd been with us for less than 24 hours by the way galley's laughing because she's met princess before this dog has at my my friend came in the door and met princess and she goes she has overgrown pomeranian energy yeah and it was like yep she's sweet she's friendly she's fluffy she loves attention and she barks she's vocal She's very vocal. And yeah, I'm just kind of like, first of all, Whisper is a stupid name for an animal. Yeah. Second of all, now that we know what we know, it would have been the most ironic stupid name ever. And third of all, I am not going to run down the street chasing a dog and screaming like, Wait! I'm going to sound whisper. like a lunatic. Whisper, whisper, yeah, whisper, not, whisper. Yeah. Not, no. And besides, she she looks like a princess. But yeah, she he, Sam and Widow Tweed come from the same school of naming. <laughs> I mean, I guess that, uh, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people come from that school of naming, but it doesn't mean I'm happy about it. Oh, don't disagree. <laughs> um, but yeah, as we've discussed, Baby Copper is voiced by Corey Feldman, who was nine. Yeah. Don't know where Copper comes from. Guess the movie didn't feel like showing us, like, here's the origination of Copper's name. No, he but came out of the bag with it. I think what what is maybe just like fun little factoid I believe that in the Spanish language version of this movie, Copper's name is Toby. Aww. Which I actually think fits him better. That's a cute name for a puppy. Yeah, that's a cute, cute it name. Is. It is. My um, my cousins used to have a horse uh, named Toby. Aww. Um, so I always think of a horse. Toby big old gray mare. Yeah. I... They... Todd and Copper meet and go playing, um, and then Copper has to go home. I wanted to bring this up to you, mm-hmm. because you and I are old enough to remember uh, the freedom and just going out into a neighborhood and playing with, like, kids. Yeah. Do you Do you remember being a kid and just, like, playing with neighborhood friends, and your parents had no idea who they were, and you would just have to be back by dinner or some random time Mm -hmm. i don't know if kids really get to do that nowadays i don't think that they do and i say that just because i live now and did live when i was with my parents in neighborhoods that had a lot of children and it sometimes you would you know sometimes there would be days when you hear a lot of kids outside or whatever but for the most part there was surprisingly there just isn't there are not as many kids just playing outside yeah I don't know. I kind of, I, I kind of, I say I miss that, but it's like, I miss that for the youth. Cause I understand mm-hmm. there's a lot of danger out there. There's probably a lot of situations that you and I kind of put ourselves in through. I mean, we, we just, dis- we discussed my, um, Allison last week. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's, there's that type of danger, but, but just the idea of like, um, Oh, my neighbor across the street, my neighbor over there, we're all just going to play in the street. Uh, yeah, we're going to go play like kickball or whatever. Yeah, hockey, kick, whatever. We're going to do whatever. Yeah. Or in, you know, just like a, a Copper and Todd, we're going to meet up with someone and find our best friend for life. Like it just, that that kind of level of socializing doesn't really seem to happen for kids. 
No, and I also want to point out too that when you know Copper's in trouble, it's not because he was playing with Todd. It's just because he was out. Yeah, he came home too late. <laughs> yeah, he, they weren't like you can't play with him anymore. They were just like the, ran off. Don't yeah. do that. But I like that when uh, Todd and Copper are hanging out the second time at the racing, I think, to the pond or something. And Copper says, give me a head start and I can beat you. Same. <laughs> it's uh, You have to sit there and think about it for a second. And that's how he wins. Exactly. It's a, my school of thought, too. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> but um, when when is it that uh todd goes back with copper and he sees chief snoring and starts like playing with chief (laughs) the way it looks time-wise according to the movie it looks like day one meet copper and go playing day two meet copper and go playing day three go to see copper when copper doesn't come see him find out he's been tied to the barrel and that's when he's like who is that yeah, and then starts playing with a dog's mouth. Yeah, um, I want to know how Chief sleeps through all that. Princess and Leto would be up immediately. So my both of them, including my old dog. Yeah, my uh, my current cat Ash mm-hmm. would not tolerate it as if you unless he was in a deep sleep. But my last cat Sugar, um, when he would when he would sleep, he would sleep. He was to the point where you could like lift a paw or like <laughs> mess with his ears and he would not react. It would just be silent kitty, kitty sleeping. Um, so I wonder if Chief is that way. I saw, sorry, I saw some TikToks a while ago that were comp- compiled of these parents tricking their kids where they were going to the room with the thing. Um, and they were doing the thing where they lifted their hand up and they were whispering their phone, like pretending their kids sleep like, okay, now if their hand stays up, it means they're really deeply asleep <laughs> and then they let go of the kid's hand and you see the kid like holding their hand <laughs> you can see the parents silent laughing as the phone starts shaking a little bit uh-huh. but um it, that was faking obviously but that's kind of what that reminded me of where they're like okay i'm gonna coach you through how to let me prank you in a video yeah kids are dumb kids are really <laughs> stupid <laughs> and some of them had the phone in the other hand like not even all the way concealed under their comfort like do better be smarter like i'm not saying i never used to stay up like reading or whatever we didn't have phones back then but it's like dude if you hear your parents even vaguely coming you don't play with headphones you don't listen to shit with headphones if you listen to anything with sound it is literally on volume one learn from the ancient ways yeah hey all you children that are listening to this podcast right now (laughs) we're telling you the tips that your parents don't want you to know yeah because otherwise you're gonna turn into chief and people can literally be like standing on your gums and you're just like (laughs) yeah kids watch out you don't don't want people standing on your gums you kind of don't but also that's almost impressive how deep in a sleep you have to be yeah there's a lot of things about chief in this movie that make me think that he may be like an eldritch god or something 
<laughs> including how deeply he sleeps like we'll get into it a little bit later okay this dog seems immortal it's um, true but what happens now is as we we're talking about tone shifts we get and i think this was like one of those things where disney was like we can't just have a dog violently chasing a fox and then a man coming out and angrily shooting with a gun so they add this like weird dueling banjos not dueling banjos soundtrack to it there's a chicken coop involved Chief's still attached to his barrel. Amos's pants fall down. They all run yeah. into each other. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's all this like weird slapstick comedy to detract from the fact that when you boil it down, they're trying to kill this fox. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of like, how do we code this for kids? Yeah. And the other thing about this to me, which is interesting, is that I'm kind of like, okay, if the problem that he and Chief had was that the fox was on their land. Once he got back on Widow Tweed's property, they should have been fine. They should have been like, whatever. But they continue chasing her to the point where Todd jumps in in her car. And they're like, you know what the logical thing to do is just shoot at this car. He's shooting at his fucking neighbor over essentially a kitten. The, The amount of hatred that Amos Slade has for a random fox baby... That he's see, this is the first time he's seen it. By the way, it's not like he's, yeah. it's not like he's like that's theirs. Fox been stealing away my pub. He has no idea. No, and later on we'll see that Amos is a um, pretty successful hunter. Uh, has is killed he? a lot of animals. Well, I'm thinking of like the the scene where um, uh, <laughs> basically Todd suddenly. Oh discovers- no, no no no! I hear you, but I'm saying in this scene, by the way. Yeah. How and also in the beginning when he was killing Todd's mom, how many shots were fired? He fires so many rounds. Okay, so maybe not successful in terms of like how 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 easily and um how effectively he uses his ammo versus like his kills. Like he doesn't have a good kill rate. I'm just saying that he's successful enough he's- and that he's able to fill a room with pelts. It's fair. I also want to know why he just has them in a room. If, if the, I imagine that that's how he in, in what? And that's, it that's might, how he makes it, his money? Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out, too. wonder if this is like a Hatfield and McCoy's type of situation. But no idea. Um, I do wonder if he uh, has some type of deep-seated issue with foxes like a fox killed his mima or stole his sister from her crib when he was young and tried to replace it with one of its own and that's why he hates fox babies i think he just hates widow tweed because she stands up to him in the most incredible way i would love to have the balls of a person who stands between her pet her car and a man speeding towards her with a loaded gun and just stands there with her hand on her hips like excuse me sir well i mean we know that this is not the first time that widow widow tweet has probably had this type of interaction with amos like i get the feeling that when amos moved in 50 years ago the way that he introduced himself to tweed was maybe by shooting her husband i was about to say did he just shoot her husband (laughs) yeah that might be why she's a widow it's because of him (laughs) it would explain why they hate each other so much yeah or they used to date that's the other option i mean they are the only two people that live in a 700 mile radius so that's entire po- entirely possible Ooh, do you think do you think that um she goes by widow tweed because she used to be 
married to Amos and then he broke her heart and the man that she knew is dead. I don't think so. I think she was married to someone else and he killed him. You know what? Both ideas work. It's it's true. But I also like that when Amos does pull up right behind beside like basically behind her, she yanks the gun out of his hands, shoots his own gun, fires the last round into the sky to make sure it's empty, and then just like chucks it back into his chest. Like I said, she has done this so many times before. This is like a has. Sunday. She calls him a trigger happy lunatic and he calls her a blasted female. He is the type of person that would call someone a female he does it more than once he also yeah. in the same conversation is it the same or like in the in the immediate next scene one of the two he call refers to her as a muddle-headed female yeah he calls her female multiple times and then i think somebody else also <clears throat> refers to uh a female like it's todd it's yeah he learned he, it from watching Amos. Yep, he calls Vixie a silly, empty-headed female. Uh, it's interesting how calling someone a female can, like, be a real insult. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's dehumanizing. It's not dehumanizing, but it very, it's gypsy, it's, we can talk about this for a second, but it's basically, like, yeah. it. it's not dehumanizing because, obviously, it's, you know, it's a term you use within human and, like, to refer to people in a human way. But it's also just in overwhelmingly clinical. Yeah, I think it might be that. It's, like, not seeing somebody as a person. But as an object. Yeah, but, like, as a piece of, an, like, a as section a in the anatomy book. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's clinical. It basically just says you're, you're insignificant in a particular way i don't think that there's kind of an extra amount of vitriol that there comes is. with people who say the word female because i don't feel like the same thing happens when you refer to somebody as a male no and i think when people say female what they're really doing and this isn't just me being like haha edgy i think it's just people who don't want to say or can't because it's a disney movie say bitch yeah i mean it's- that's straight up it it's coded yeah, it's people who feel uncomfortable with the word bitch, but for some reason are comfortable with the word misogyny, maybe because they just don't curse like that. But whatever yeah. the case may be, it's sort of like, what they mean is bitch. He doesn't mean you blasted female, he means you fucking bitch. Well, he doesn't mean muddle-headed female, he means you stupid bitch. I mean, like you just can't say that in a Disney film, and most of the time I think when people say female, it's because they've either said bitch too many times and need a different word, or to them they mean the same thing. Well, I mean, to um, kind of paraphrase Big Mama Al, it's either education or elimination. Can we talk about this scene? Yes, but right before this, I just want to mention that um, we go through a time skip where oh. they go on a on a they go on a no, no, hunting no, trip later. to return next spring. They... The montage happens later, but Copper and company leave on the trip because we get yeah, a yeah. little sad woo woo from Copper as they as they drive away. And this is where we get Education or Elimination, one of the weirdest songs in a Disney movie ever. I I felt like the song started in the middle of the yeah. song. And ended in the middle. It's like they it's they recorded a three minute song and then decided that they were gonna put ju- they only got the license to use one minute. Yeah. So they were gonna use the section where they're like, well, uh, grab this part. Yeah. <clears throat> it it was very um 
and this is the song that I kind of chose for you, but I understand if you don't want to sing it. I can try. I, it's funny because I was just thinking now, do I know all the words to this? To lack of education? It's called education or elimination. Oh, education or elimination. That's it. But, uh-huh. um, oh, you know what? That's really <laughs> interesting because on the uh, Disney wiki, uh this song is called lack, of, lack education. of education what's really funny is because in the actual wiki it is called what did i refer to it as education or elimination but who cares but yeah i it, yeah. it's funny because this song almost could have been interesting because it does i'll do it in a second but it starts off not with like uh like spoken word and then goes into kind of song because oh yeah because they're having a discussion and todd's kind of like well they're trying to get him to see the world Big Mama, Dinky, and Boomer. This is a kind of important scene because, you know, now that the kids are separated, Copper's going, you know, off on a hunting trip that's going to last like half a goddamn year. They're like, okay, Todd, we need to tell you about like life and how it really is. And Todd, you know, being a kid is like, Copper would never turn on me. And he goes, okay, well, what if you run into Chief? And he's like, Chief won't get me and uh big mama i don't know if she does this part in tune but this the song starts with like you listen good todd because it's either education or elimination now if you're so foxy and old chief is so dumb then why does that hound get the fox on the run because he's got the hunter and the hunter's got the gun kablam elimination lack of education if you pal around with that copper hound, you'll wind up hanging on a wall. Keep your nose to the wind and you keep your skin, cause you won't be home when the hunters come to call. And then we get one of the last lines from pre-puberty Todd. Oh, big mama, I know copper <laughs> would never track me down. Well, copper, he's my best friend. And then this is when they're like, we need to show you something. Yeah. And basically what they do is they open up the crematorium for him. In a yeah. Way. It, and like you said, like it was basically like a stanza that was sung. It's really yeah. weird. The it's way super that it's, weird. Yeah. And it's speaking of tone changes too. You have this somewhat upbeat song where she's talking about, you know, doing a jazzy kind of thing. Like the yeah. the the part where I was singing was the right time. I don't know if I got the spoken word right, but I know I got the singing right. And then immediately we do a hard transition to Dinky and Boomer opening, I think it's the Tanner's Shed. That must yeah. be where they tan the hides. And there on the wall are all the pelts of the animals they've hunted. I also just realized as we are recording this that I forgot to bring in my uh, my sketches. So just imagine that I sketched um, Todd's uh, very shocked and surprised face when he suddenly sees a whole bunch of dead brothers and sisters on the, on the wall. <laughs> I, I kind of like how in this childish way, though, Todd's trying to cling to the last sentiments of that where he's like, but that's not going to happen to me. You know, Todd's, Todd's not going to be, I mean, Copper's not going to be like that. We're, we're going to be friends forever. But you can see it's starting to break because instead of just saying it's true, he looks at mama and goes, right? Yeah. He's starting to be nervous. And I have to say, I do like how she answers him instead of just being like, you're a fucking moron. What she says to him is forever is a long, long time. 
and time has a way of changing things. That's that's what uh, she says. I, which which is a wonderful sentiment. And then I made a note that forever is like fifteen years for these animals at most, because like just their natural lifespan is going I, to end. Then. I will also say that the next thing we see is basically like the weird growing up montage. Yeah, like six months later, as we watch them watch them grow up. Um, yeah, we see like what at like teenage Copper. He's probably like. I'm remembering Princess at a year and a half. He's probably about a year old where there's still kind of like limbs and ears everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hilarious watching him try to hunt because it's like trying to watch me catch a jammer who's gotten out of the pack. I'm just like, back, and they're gone. Just all limbs. <laughs> just, just falling all, limbs all over yourself. Yeah, legit yeah. that. Um... And then... Todd gets a collar. That's nice. Todd gets a collar. Copper gets a collar too. And he gets to ride home in the front seat. Yeah. Which um, on the way back, Chief told us that you have to earn sitting in the front seat. So this was the thing. I uh, Chief gets to lie on a giant pile of pelts in the car <laughs> if you don't sit in the front. Like, that's much nicer. I said, I'd rather ride the pelt pile. Seems like it's cozier than the awful bench seat up front. That's literal my notes. Yeah, it looked rickety. It's true. And then I also wrote more bird peril. I do not care. Um, I don't know when I wrote this note, but I wrote a note that said, Todd, I'd love to be your friend, but it's kind of like being friends with a silly, like with a serial killer. Like maybe not a great idea. (laughs) I'm sorry. What was that related to? I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> I think. Uh, oh, you know what I think it was. I think okay. when, when, um, I think when Todd and Copper got reunited, and I think Todd was trying to be like <laughs> still friends with Copper. I was like, huh? Yeah, it's kind of like being friends with a serial killer <laughs> in that way. I don't know. See, I, I actually wrote down what I said. I actually find this interaction with Copper and Todd after they get home to be the saddest part of the whole movie because it reminds me of trying to fulfill your parents' expectations when you're just coming into adulthood while your friends are discovering a different identity. You still want to love them and you still want to be close, but you know that you're not allowed to because your parents won't let you and their lifestyle is no longer compatible with their ideas. Yeah, that's a lot nicer than mine, which is, I don't know, you might become friends with a serial killer. So I've also been watching a lot of cult documentaries lately. Which is also influential. It is, but it's also been a lot of people talking about, like, coming into their own. And I think that it's really interesting because what Copper is basically saying is, like, I'm. he says, I'm happy to see you. It's all the emotion is, like, I am happy to see you, but we can't be friends because I am a hunting dog now. Like, doesn't matter how I feel, this is my job. This is what I'm being told I need to do. So we can't be friends. You need to get out of here. And I find that interesting because I think that that sometimes happens to some people when you're like in high school, especially when if you have friends that are in much more conservative environments, their parents become much less interested in having them hang out with you. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's sad because you can sometimes still see that it's like, we still care about each other, but the influencing forces in our lives will not allow us to be friends. And when you're that age, it's really hard to circumvent that. You can't just like go to work and meet up for coffee or anything. That's not how that works. Like if you hang out in school, you can hang out in school, but then that's on everyone else to keep that a secret. You know, it's, it's much harder. So that's where I was going with this. (laughs) 
No, and I and I get it. And I think that that's I think that's much <laughs> much more apt to like I think the Disney uh, <laughs> concept behind this, which is when when you have a best friend that you're best friends with, but then you kind of mm-hmm. grow your separate ways, whether that's through nature or nurture, is I can right. the real question here. Um, it's just it's kind of is what it is, and I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about. You all are best friends in elementary school, your best mm-hmm. friends in middle school, and then the two of you go off to different high schools, and suddenly yeah. that person that you thought was your best friend cannot hang out with you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes and it's just because it. we don't have time. Like we go to a different school now, we have different extracurriculars. Sometimes it's literally just like it's hard to get together, and sometimes, like you said, you know, we can't hang out for whatever reason, and. <clears throat> It's funny, I want to get to this thing in like two seconds because, okay. <laughs> well, basically what happens next is, I don't know who wakes up who, but somebody gets alerted to the fact that Todd's on the property. And mm-hmm. so a madcap chase ensues and Todd ends up hiding underneath a pile of um, wood. Now Chief runs right by him, but Copper finds him. And I had uh, one note here, which is why did Todd run into the woods? He should have just run back home. He would have been safe at home. Well, <laughs> I I I will say that magically Todd's uh, collar disappears for a little bit of the sequence, and then it comes back later. So Excellent. maybe he didn't run home because he was like, "Oh no, my it's collar!" Gone. Yeah. <laughs> what? I wrote down is Copper discovers Todd and I wrote a plus to the animators for showing the internal conflict on Copper's face as he decides to let Todd go. That's difficult in animation. This is, this is a really interesting movie as far as animation goes. Not, not only because what we started talking about at the very beginning, right. Um, with all of the conflict <laughs> behind the scenes with the animators on this show um, mm-hmm. or on this movie, but also apparently the animators were very focused on um, animating animals. And the next movie that we're going to be covering, The Black Cauldron, which is very human focused, uh, those animators had a hard time animating people. Mm-hmm. So there was like, We'll get into that for Black Cauldron, but there was a whole whole mess of, of issues with the animation for that and all of that. Um, but for Fox and the Hound, I think it's very funny that you're talking about basically seeing the humanity <laughs> on Hopper's face. And apparently Disney executives didn't share that and thought that they were very, wait, you know, these animators are um, <laughs> animating animals, not humans. But clearly they're showing human emotion and it's clearly coming across on their faces. So I, think, I don't know. That's my soapbox. <laughs> I just think it worked well in this particular like way. Like, again, I'm not saying that the animation is like always brilliant all the time, but the facial animation in this scene, probably because it was so pivotal, um, I think really works. And yeah, you can it, see the pain. <laughs> yeah, you can see him making a conscious choice. Like, in that moment. And this comes back a few times throughout the rest of the movie, and I'll talk about it a little bit more as it does come up. Um, but it's a big choice. Mm-hmm. Like, in the movie, it doesn't it, it kind of glosses right by it. But if you think about the actual choice, it's sort of like, he's just basically been going on and on about, like, this is my job, I'm a hunting dog now, I have to obey his owner, my owner. His owner has given him an order to find this fox. He found him. 
That's his job. But he doesn't act against against his heart. <laughs> no, and he instead leads him the other way. Yeah, I I did enjoy this moment um, because I really did like the how real it is, I think. Yes. Like how many of us have been in these situations where outside influence is telling us to think one way, mm-hmm. but internally we're like, that's not right. Right. And and I I appreciated that we um it I appreciated that not only did we get to see that that copper is a good boy, uh, but good also boy. that Todd get to see that the copper that he knew and grew up with is still there, even though outwardly copper's like, I cannot do this. And I think that that's really important for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the two of them don't actually see each other again for a while um what happens here though is todd ends up on the railroad tracks and literally out of nowhere i think chief jumps out of an actual rock this okay this is what i wanted to talk about with chief (laughs) (laughs) yeah this scene is bonkers holy bonkers yeah i think chief just a a manifests himself out of a rock maybe he was alerted from his deep ethereal sleep (laughs) yeah to come come out and and has a little bit of a chase has a little bit of chase on the train tracks very very dramatic right uh and then a train comes by and chief fucking falls off the tracks and you see him hit a bunch of rocks before he falls into an extraordinarily shallow stream. By the way, guys, this is a high-ass train bridge, like Aristocats train bridge high. Yeah. He falls like, far. And he, he he literally, he doesn't fall under the water. He no. falls onto the water. We can see him. This dog should be a splattered mess. But what happens? He just kind of breaks a leg, maybe? So I read on the Wikipedia page that in the original novel, Chief dies. And that's actually what prompts Copper's grudge against Todd is because Chief dies. But Disney was, you know, at Disney, they were very like, for some reason, they were like, no, we're not going to kill off a main character. We just don't do that. That's fine. You don't have to kill him because it's a kid's movie. But gosh darn it, you do have to move the location for where this big like conflict happens so that it's not like the dog should be dead yeah it's it's even as a kid i remember being like wow it's it's not normal it really isn't and it kind of it reminds me of lady and the tramp where near the end of the movie we get um i'm forgetting the bloodhound's name trusty trusty where he gets hit by the carriage did you and, did you ask for a dog there's a dog now yeah and, um <laughs> why special guest um but yeah he gets hit by the carriage and the movie does play it off for a minute like oh oh this dog is dead yeah they do that here too they yeah. um initially copper goes over and is like chief and chief closes his eyes copper bump, bumps his head and it just it, it just limply bobbles back it makes it seem like he should have died yeah 
But nope, apparently this is, you know what, I realize now, this is before the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven came out, so right now Disney was like, I don't know what to do with a dead dog, we don't want to let kids know that they might not go to heaven, so we'll just keep them alive. Yeah, and it makes zero sense, as we've just discussed, and instead of immediately tending to his wounded dog... What Amos does is run over to Widow Tweed's house as soon as Todd's gotten home and just bangs the fuck on his door and starts, like, hollering that he's going to get this fox. Am I misremembering, or was there also a moment where um, Copper and Todd kind of saw each other before Todd kind of fled? Um, so Todd was still standing up on the railroad bridge. Copper looked up at him and then yelled, I'll get you for this. That's it. Okay, because I made a note that I said this would have been the perfect opportunity for Todd to yell back that the train hit him. It was an accident instead of just being silent and running away. Yeah, but no, he runs home and then the hunter and then Amos runs over and yells at the widow. And here is where she decides... That the natural conclusion is to take her totally domestically raised fox and leave him in the woods. And I love that Copper thinks that this is all his fault, instead of recognizing that the actual issue is that both Chief and Amos have zero fucking chill. That's the issue here. Uh, You know, talking about tonal changes in the movie, this is where I turned on Widow Tweed. I, I was, I was very happy with her adopting Todd. I I thought that she was very loving and she did a wonderful job. But I really hated the fact that she's like, "Oh dear, well, Todd, I can't, I can't have you living here because it's going to be, you know, I don't want you to get killed. So I'm going to go drive you out to the middle of of nowhere that you're not familiar with." Um, not say anything to you because there's an entire monologue, which is a very sweet monologue that she only mm-hmm. thinks and does not speak. So Todd has no idea what's going on. Um, and just abandon him. Yep. Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. Fuck you, Widow Tweed. Like, you don't do that. <laughs> no, that's. There's a reason that there's these terrible commercials about how awful people who leave their animals are. It's because they're awful. Yeah. And, and she just is like, bye. And Disney plays this off like it is heartbreaking for the Widow Tweed to do. As yeah. in, it's really sad that she has to go to this this length to keep Todd safe. Instead of talking about how heartbreaking it is that this person just pretty much gave up <laughs> on an animal, like... Yeah. It's heartbreaking for the animal, not for the and Widow Tweed. I'm sorry. Exactly. And it's a Disney movie, so it doesn't happen, but like he would die on the first day. He has no idea how to live in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. He would have honestly, what would have probably happened is he would have uh seen Vixie the other fox, and Vixie would have killed him because he did not smell like a fox or something. Like there would have been <laughs> no remorse. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, it's just it's just it's just yeah. This is also um, apparently the part where I wrote about how boring and depressing this movie was. Yeah, this movie, I think I wrote down that this is the boring bathroom song. <laughs> the boring bathroom song. Yeah, I did. Uh, 
and then Todd almost dies on his first day because it starts raining. But the good news is that Piglet in the body of a hedgehog shows up and rescues him. Little hedgehog was such a random little like, uh, we need a character here to do something. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. We can't have Mama Owl show up quite yet. Again. Again. There- can't be the only one that rescues people. But, yeah. But yeah, it was like, um, what was it? Uh, Bongo in the woods. Oh, yeah. This is that's what Todd's that's what Todd's experience in the woods was like. It, it, like like a circus bear, a naked yeah. circus bear. <laughs> but um, we then see that Amos is planning to go put traps in the woods. But uh, before we do, he sees how nice he is to his dogs because Chief is wailing about his leg hurting. And Amos yells, get back in there before I break your other leg. Yeah. Well, again, Amos, why do you have this grudge against a random fox when you don't even care about the dog that should have been killed but wasn't? Right. He's so focused on the grudge now. It doesn't even matter. That's how he must live. Like, Amos looks like he's, like, 105, and he <laughs> might just be alive because of grudges. Just pure spite and irritation. Yeah uh now is when as you said big mama shows up and i want to know if in this world all foxes look the same from behind because she sees vixie and is like Dot! um i think we might be seeing a little bit of spe- speciesism maybe <laughs> just a little but uh way to have 30 minutes left in the film and then introduce this brand new character to the audience who is treated as though she was there all along <laughs> Like, we're just supposed to know who she is. Oh, hi, Vixie. Yeah, that's literally it. <laughs> it's very sitcom entrance. It's Vixie, everyone. Hey! Yay. Um, I do like how into it she is. Like, Big Mama does not have to pitch her on a blind date at all. He, She's like, oh, Vixie's like, what are you doing out here? She's like, I'm looking for a fox. He's uh, young and handsome, and she's like, he sounds nice. I'm not doing anything. Why don't I uh, help you uh, find this uh, foxy foxy fox? All the foxes are horny in this movie. I just love how she also asks, what does he look like? You. <laughs> yeah. He looks like you. <laughs> what does he look like? Well, his eyes are a little bit smaller. His ears aren't quite as like, like we do, we do start getting into the um, oh, more yeah. sexy uh, female versions of the animals versus the male version. It's true. It's not we're quite not, to DreamWorks level. No, we're not quite, quite, quite there yet. But um, we do see Hedgehog and Todd sleeping in a tree. And I love how Todd wakes up and has... But I love that Todd wakes up and just is like screaming. He's like, what's happening? Where am I? And immediately falls out of a tree. Yeah. So, okay. Just we've been talking about this, which is another huge tonal shift. Like we yes. literally had that scene with Amos, which is a very sad and upsetting scene with Amos treating his dog badly and going out to go kill a fox, and, and then and, and, and making the flash. traps. And, and yes, with, and then it's matchmaking. Yeah, and then it's matchmaking. Love, love, love. Everybody be horny. Hooray, foxes. And then it's weird slapstick falling out of a tree. And then another tonal shift immediately because I I didn't mention him earlier because I didn't feel like it. But there's a badger that Todd gets on the wrong side of. And we have another run in with this fucking badger. And so the last time we see Todd is like he's dejectedly walking away. Which is convenient because he somehow seems to walk directly in the direction of Vixie and Big Mama. 
I think that the badger was in on it. Maybe, but I do also like that Big Mama starts posing Vixie. Oh yeah, she Big Mama has had to do matchmaking in the forest before. Oh yeah, she's a pro. She knows the lighting. She ushers Vixie into lighting. Yeah, she does. She's like, no, 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 no. Lift that chin up. There you go. Yeah. Oh, now no, you're she does. now your mother material. If you've uh, ne- if you've never seen that movie, she does push her into the light and then like sits her up straight and like tilts her chin down and moves her head in an angle. She's like, okay, no, you're good. Just stay there. Am I attractive yet? You can hear her tendon snapping. She's like, yeah, totally. Um, I actually didn't take any notes on the hedgehog and badger because they were so inconsequential and I, inconsequential and i felt like they wasted so much of my time (laughs) yeah they were not great but um i big mama comes over to todd and is like oh cheer up bud it's a beautiful day and he goes after last night nothing looks beautiful and then of course i yeah my note for this was todd cheer up get horny there's a lady fox in the area and you suddenly remembered you aren't fixed yep he sees her and suddenly it's all fine and he's gonna go up and they're gonna flirt and they're both real bad at it and we get another just random song that um, oh no there is way more before this song was there way more before this oh yeah well, they maybe not a t- to, like interact <laughs> well i like how he says hi and then this interaction happens may i call you by your first name oh sure why not what is your first name <laughs> Do foxes have last names i don't know but we then learn that Vixie's a country girl because the first thing she asks from Todd is if he'll catch her a fish. And I love we cut to Big Mama in the tree like, please do not show off. Oh, he's going to do it. Please let him catch a fish. I mean, catch a fish for your lady and eat for life. I guess yeah. that's the saying, right? Sure. <laughs> It goes about as expected. I mean, lucky for Todd. Um, Vixie either has very low standards or Todd is literally the only male fox around and she's very charmed by him. Yeah, she just happens to think he's kind of cute. Yeah, which, I mean, he is kind of cute. He's a fox. Mm, that's true. I, I didn't even mean that. I just realized I... I uh, said that as a pun and i didn't even mean it as a pun i just meant that all foxes are cute i hear you um this is where todd does a misogyny and calls vixie an empty-headed female but i do like that big mama immediately is like don't talk to her like that yeah i i'm glad that big mama pretty much proverbially slapped him (laughs) yeah she kind of had to because it was like don't what no shut up yeah don't say those things is that is this now where natural yep. attraction okay oh yeah this is where that stupid song comes in which according to the wiki is called appreciate the lady i i wrote it's just sort of starts but it isn't a fun or catchy song like it's just it's a song 
it is called Appreciate the Lady, which is a terrible fucking song name. Mine, oh my, my god, note, I'm angrier than I was before. My note just says Appreciate the Lady sucks as a song. It does. It does. And then the next thing is uh, Big Mama's like, we should get out of here. And Boomer shows that he's a perv by going, Big Mama, it's just getting interesting. Let them fuck. You have a wor- worm. They call it a worm, but they go after a caterpillar. Yeah, it just goes to show that these guys are stupid, maybe. I just, yeah, sorry. I just I just realized that and was very upset. Again, there's a lot of things in this movie that are just making me angry. Especially the decided to, um, to watch this together. You're having a great time. If we had watched, okay, this is, I do want to say this about our podcast in general. As much as I might hate some of the movies that we're watching, I thoroughly enjoy the excuse to watch them and <laughs> to bitch about them. It's true. Um, this song just sucks but yeah what i they also okay uh vixie then intuates that she'd like to have kids and i love that vixie understands that he's brand new to the forest can't catch fish and she's like let's introduce children into this shit um i think she also knows that like all right he'll probably die before me but at least i can get some kids out of him (laughs) but but i do want to say i love okay i love this scene because this this scene is Vixie and Todd kind of just walking through the forest and a family of quails crosses their path. Yes. With like a mama quail and then just a trail of little baby quails. And all Vixie says is, I think six will be just right. Well, she counts that there's seven little quail babies. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So she counts them. And I know that the movie uh, is is her talking about kids. In my mind, I thought it was her talking about dinner. Like, I think six of these quail babies will make a perfect meal tonight. Don't you agree? They might. I mean, they're foxaloxes. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd I say it like that? No fucking clue. Foxaloxes. Foxaloxes that go fuck by a waterfall. Yes. Um, and then, tone shift again, Amos cutting the wire to the game preserve, which outrightly says no hunting. And I also would like to know how many traps he brought. Because we see him laying the traps around a water source, and it looks as though he has approximately 12 or 15. Again, his bizarre grudge against Todd. <clears throat> the time especially. and resources. Yeah. It... Why? Why is he... Why... This is a, okay, this is a point that I do not understand why Disney included this in the movie. There is absolutely zero reason to include any type of signage that says that this area is uh, no hunting or, um, or, or, or can't trespass. That never comes up again in the movie. Amos gets no, uh, no consequences for breaking this law but for some reason it has to be mentioned yeah i don't have anything else to say to that except that you're right oh i know i'm just angry i'm just i'm just one angry young-ish woman yelling into another angry young-ish woman's ears well i mean (laughs) it's true it doesn't really it never really seems to come back around in that way yeah, it's no Chekhov's gun. <laughs> no. But I feel like it's like it's one of those things where they have to mention it to us to be like, remember, you're not supposed to do this. We're like, I think we got it. We're all smart. 
Yeah. Most well, of us. Amos isn't. I want to know, so I know that they're not as, maybe they don't have the senses of a bloodhound, but didn't Vixie or Todd smell Copper and the Hunter? Especially Todd, who knows what Copper and the Hunter smell like. Like, all of the animals in this Disney movie act as animals only in looks. Like, they Mm -hmm. don't we we never get any extra level of oh this is an animal so their so their sense of smell is heightened or their hearing is heightened because that's another thing that i feel like they should have probably we noticed did more get that in this segment when todd is creeping through the trap infested area amos cocks his gun and that's how todd knows they're there yeah but like there's like other the parts in the movie where I think that would have come in. Like, you have a very good point there. I feel like there, that just doesn't, like, make itself known enough. No, I agree. In the, the same, animals act. Yeah. Yeah, in the same way that they weren't, like, ta- the copper seems to be the only one with a functioning nose. Yeah. At all. Like, Vixie and, Vixie at least has the presence of mind to be like, I don't want to go in there. There's something off about it. But you'd think she'd be like, humans. Yeah. Like, and she would know. Yeah, or there would be other signs that they would be able to see that were humans. Because it's also very, like, I, I don't understand how Amos was able to be such a good tracker. Maybe he was back in his old days or something, and now that's why he needs the dogs. I guess, because clearly the dogs don't have any better skills than he does, as we just discussed. It wasn't shown in this movie. No, but... um. Yeah, that's how Todd figures out they're there. And both he and Vixie decide the best idea is to run back to the foxhole. Yeah, so the way that this is kind of visually set up is uh, Todd and Vixie are in post-coital bliss inside a very well-hidden foxhole, I would yeah, say. pretty well-hidden. Um, and then Amos, by the water source, uh, sets up a bunch of traps because I guess he just kind of assumes fox is going to show up there okay. um and lucky him the only creature that is apparently dumb enough to walk over there is todd and because then they, he was and, raised by humans yeah. well, he should be dumb enough and then uh yeah and then he's like oh no danger is here let me go back to let me lead amos and copper back to my foxhole yeah, which they were smart enough to have a front and back entrance to, but Amos sets the back entrance on fire and then Copper's waiting at the front. Do you know do you know what this makes uh Todd and Vixie? Firefoxes. It does make them firefoxes. Because <laughs> they do decide that the only way they're getting out is to jump through the fire. They run through the fire. They do. And I do have to agree kind of here with Amos where he just yells, whoa, no, I don't believe it. Where it's like, that's fair. I wouldn't necessarily assume that animals are going to jump into fire either. Yeah. But I love his absolute disbelief. My absolute disbelief was the fact that everything that you and I are talking about and about to talk about, which is the climax of the film, Mm -hmm. takes place with 12 minutes left. For some reason, I thought it was even less time than that. Um, it might have been like uh, if we count. Well, there aren't credits in this one, so I think it is about twelve minutes. But no, I'm, I'm just saying, like, wow, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, everything happens in this. 
um, do you want to do you want to explain how we get from firefoxes to monster bears? I don't know how we get there because finally uh Todd's like, "Okay, Vixie, you go somewhere else." And he leads them up towards a waterfall where much like Chief just appeared out of the rocks, this bear the size of a small hill just erupts out of a bush. That bear had to have been at least 12 feet tall and he has glowing red eyes. Well, not glowing, but they're they're bright red eyes. Oh, yeah. This is not just your average. This is not just a black bear in the forest. No, this is not a bear that you could uh, just slap um, to tell them that you love them and get them no. to understand. No, this was an angry bear. And this is this is where like the fighting happens with about eight minutes left in the movie. So you're right. It does get... <laughs> shorter yeah i want to know especially because we've seen that copper is the only one with a good sense of smell did he not sense this bear at all or todd uh, uh, like like nobody, you said this bear knew. might have showed up out of no like it <clears throat> maybe Ooh, okay hang on hang on i'm i'm getting the pieces together Uh-oh. this bear is chief's spirit animal um, who did suddenly appear out of nowhere because, again, Chief is an eldritch god, so he can just do magic like this. Uh, I kind of, I'm thinking more now like the um, scene from what's it called? Um, Road to El Dorado, where the mm. priest en- uh, enchants a statue and uses that to move. Yeah, this was a wood carved bear that Chief's controlling that chief's controlling <clears throat> was brought to life and that's why he just kind of like surprise i'm a massive bear that none of you guys could have possibly predicted would be here no and of course the the traps come back into play Chekhov's traps because amos steps in one lucky for him over his boot yeah i made a note that if this was anything but a disney movie his like foot would have been off oh absolutely but not here. He uh, his boots magic. Boots magic. Bears magic. <clears throat> Todd and the bear have a massive fight where surprise, 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 everyone falls off the waterfall. Well, before that, Copper fights the bear. Yeah, the bear is going for Amos, who's stuck in the trap, and Copper, the good boy, comes to save him, but he gets absolutely clobbered. And Todd comes back because he hears Copper crying. Love. Yeah. Best friend. So he comes back and saves the day. By flinging a gigantic evil bear off of a waterfall. Where and then somehow he survives, but the bear evaporates. Which which the bear evaporating, I think, does make sense if we think that this was conjured by Chief. That does make does sense, not actually. make sense anywhere else. No, because it literally vanishes. We see Todd in a shallow pool of water, and Shh. Copper coming over to check on him. Yeah, and that's that's lovely. But again, shallow water. We should see that bear somewhere. <laughs> We should see that bear somewhere for sure. And we don't. It's just gone. No, it's a plot bear. It, it is. I 
going back to my my like of the animation in this movie um two things here first is when amos actually there's a few good moments here of animation firstly when amos shows up todd's face is terrified and it's because he's we see him he collapses out of exhaustion like he can't go anywhere if that gun goes off it's it's like i i i I have no more strength yeah and then you they cut to copper and you see him do the double take but unlike last time where he's all like conflicted about the decision to make it's like the dis- it's it's interesting because you can tell that this isn't a decision for him. No, he just wants to go with his heart. Yeah, he doesn't need to think about it anymore. He goes and puts himself in front of the gun. And I also like that because he doesn't he doesn't even need to give Todd a chance to escape. He's like you don't have to go anywhere. Like I'm I'm yeah. going to handle this. Yeah. And I also do have to appreciate the facial animation on Amos's face because it does show him processing releasing a grudge probably some of the highlights of this movie are the uh animated motion yeah and a couple of little storytelling gestures like this isn't perhaps super significant but when amos comes to collect copper he doesn't call copper over to him he goes over into their space Mm -hmm. where todd and copper are and they allow it yeah, which you know, we're we're talking about the um the basically the eye language that's mm-hmm. going on between them and this is this being a sign of trust and copper basically being like you're not going to hurt me. I know yeah. I like I know you're not going to hurt me. And, and by now I know that put... this this is behind me. You're not going to hurt him. Yeah. And yeah, and now and by now Amos has put the gun down. Like he's not holding it up and he comes over and he pets copper on the head. Basically, and it's like, come on, boy, let's go home. And I think that's a really interesting moment of both animation and storytelling. I think it's an interesting moment. I totally agree. And then I just get really upset by, again, the total change where we get a 30 second closure to the B plot (sighs) about catching what was an actual caterpillar. I legitimately didn't even write about that because I was like off because I was too busy commenting on how Widow Tweet is having entirely too much fun fucking around with Amos. (laughs) I was focused on that. I did not give a shit about that bird and caterpillar fucking feud anymore. Well, I mean, we we do basically get like the 30 second wrap up where we get to see like, okay, foxes are happy. Dogs are happy. Um, for some reason, these birds are happy. We don't know what happens to the hedgehog, so I assume he's miserable. <laughs> Who knows? But um, I had two notes. Um, one was that I think that when like, one of the last things we see is Copper going to like have a nap, mm-hmm. and he's replaying um, meeting Todd, and I think that's really cute. Um, and I made a note about the last time we see them interact, which is when right before Copper just follows Amos home, they look at each other and kind of smile a little. Yeah. And what I wrote down was sometimes true love and friendship doesn't look the way we wish it did. Um, And I think that their friendship is a really good example of it because like, yeah, they had a lot of animosity, but at the end of the day, they loved each other. 
Yeah. And it's like, at the end of the day, I do not want you to be hurt. At the end of the day, I do not want you to be gone. We live dramatically different lives now, which we see at the end, you know, Copper is going to sleep in the same house he's always lived in. And then we see from very, very far afar, Todd and Vixie are watching from the woods. Like they just have very different lives now. And it's one of those things where they probably will never interact again. Yeah, I think that that was a very sweet ending. I actually wrote that this was like the best part of the movie. Yeah. I <laughs> it's actually, just kind of sad. I don't disagree. I actually think that the best parts of the movie are the quite serious portions which are, you know, I was talking about, you know, the conflict that Copper had when it's like, you see your best friend for the first time. And it's like, you shouldn't be here. Like my parents are going to be so pissed, you know, that like, you know, you, you you know, you're drinking now and you're smoking and they don't like that. Like if you're here, no, I'm serious. Like if you're here, they're going to be like, like, this is how a lot of those conversations went. And it's like, but I'm still like, I'm still your friend. Like, yeah, it doesn't change anything, but it's like, but it does change everything in that way. But yeah, well, you know what I forgot to ask you? I just realized now that you did. Because <laughs> we just got into it. But um, we were really excited to see, including myself, how well I would do with that fucking yes. <laughs> summary. I was so like, so excited. Let's try. <laughs> but I do think that what you're touching on um maybe relates a little bit to to your or our experience with this movie as a kid so i'm curious what is your relationship with the fox and the hound it's one of the movies i owned um and i remember watching it several times when i was younger but it, it wasn't one of like my favorite disney movies and i definitely did not see or absorb any of these messages at least on the level that i'm processing them now when i was little I actually thought it was kind of a boring movie. I didn't, the songs were stupid. <laughs> I, this was the movie that I'd watch when I was tired of watching the other Disney movies I liked and I wanted just something else. So that was my relationship. It wasn't a particularly affectionate one, but um, what about you? Well, I, I before we get to me though, I am curious oh. because you also love foxes. Did this- I do. Um, did this movie either uh, influence that love or or help kickstart it? Do you remember? Maybe. I don't know. I think I've always just found them cute in the same way that I've always found dogs and cats cute. Fair enough. Yeah, I saw them. I was like, those are cute. I like those too. Yeah. I legitimately don't remember what my relationship was with this movie <laughs> as a kid. I, I know I had seen it before, mm-hmm. but I don't really remember any type of connection to it i don't remember like particularly enjoying it or disliking it i definitely didn't (laughs) watch it on repeat Mm -hmm. um and i i mean i can guarantee you i also did not get the message no i mean like i got the message where it's like friends but i didn't i didn't get the bigger things where i was talking about like conflict growing apart and idealized versions of friendships and stuff i just got when i was little was like oh they're friends and say for life's cool yeah, and I I I think that that's kind of the failing of this movie. Mm. Like there's a really I think there's a good plot here for a Disney movie. I think there's some really interesting interesting things that we've discussed here mm-hmm. that could have shown through um probably if the movie had a better production. Yeah, like if, I re- if they didn't have conflict. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just actually realized that my entry in our spreadsheet was wrong. I had to mark because I had it written in there wrong. Um, ah, but, then do we want to get to that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to start or do you want me to go? Oh, well, you tell me if you liked and recommended The Fox and the Hound. So I did like it for the reasons that I was discussing. I liked the subtle moments of animation that were really good. Um, and some of the scenes told stories really well. But I'm 50-50 on recommending it simply because I don't think that it has a very compelling plot. I don't find it that visually stimulating in enough in all parts for me to be like, yeah, 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 it's worth putting on in the background or it's like super colorful for your kids. And I only recommend it maybe when you're old enough to process the deeper themes. I think that's really fair. Yeah, because otherwise, I'm when I was younger, it was boring. If you're yeah. not old enough to kind of think about the things and whys and conflict, then it's just a super fucking boring movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Um, I, I don't think I liked this movie. It's super valid. I, I like, I just, I, I, I can't. I, what I liked was uh, them as uh, puppies. <laughs> playing together yeah. that was fun that was great um it, it, it is cute it's a cute moment but i would say um as well i also kind of 50 50 on recommending this i think i like i'm totally with you i think that this is a movie that you have to watch when you are a little bit older mm-hmm. but you also have to watch it keeping in mind the fact that it was basically made by two different animation studios kind of mixing throughout halfway through um the actual plot is a lot of lot of holes um yeah sketchy at best sketchy at best but maybe this is better to watch if you try to try to fit the plot around uh an eldritch god taking the body of an old hunting hound (laughs) yeah let's go with that your own spin on it yeah we'll go with that uh anything anything else you want to say about the fox and the hound i i can't think of anything foxy to say now so um what i will say is next week as we have been kind of slowly mentioning and thank uh, you for telling me i was worried i was gonna have to hound you for it ah there we go there we go (laughs) uh but next week we we are going to get back into human movies with the black cauldron guys (laughs) i'm sorry i can already like i have tried to watch this movie no less than three times and every time i've gotten some like not even halfway into it and been like i literally rather be watching something else yeah i i'm i'm genuinely looking forward to talking about the black cauldron and it's not because it's a good movie like just just flat out no Um, no it it, no but i do want people to get excited because we are in a weird part of disney movies but we are about to kick off the disney renaissance we are and as i think i was discussing last time we're about to start hitting the movies that i think people even though we're not in the era of movies that came out when we were alive yet we're getting to movies that i think people really remember watching because we do black cauldron and then immediately after that we kick Great Mouse Detective. We hit Oliver and yeah. Company, The Little Mermaid, Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pokemon. Like we're getting into the 
The movies that raised us. The movies that raised us. The movies that raised us, indeed. Yeah. Uh, but but for now, uh, just like Chief, just like a, um, a random 12-foot magical bear, we have to disappear. Yeah, I need to go. I need to make sure that Leto's not about to, like, kamikaze his way off a railroad track. Oh, that's very important. That's very yeah, important. Yeah, I haven't heard him barking in a while, so, you know, just need to be sure. Okay, well, I hope you find a fox. A baby fox. That'll be cute. That would be so cute. Guys, I'm going to go find a baby fox. So, um, so long, Glamour Boys. So long, Glamour Boys. Damsels Who Discuss is created and produced by Crow's Nest's podcast. Your hosts are Gally Articola and Alexia Thurumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss all one word on Instagram at instagram.com slash damsels who discuss all one word again and on Twitter at twitter.com slash damsels who disco because Twitter has a character limit or you can also email us at damsels who discuss at gmail.com so long glamour boys so long glamour boys (laughs) 